Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Hey, welcome everyone. It's that time of the month where Dr. Homebrew is back on the air talking about homebrew and, uh, you know, probably some other stuff. You know, I don't know. We'll see yeah. where the uh, see where the road see where the road takes mm, us. Tonight. It's my time of the month. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brian. That's, that's a lot of information we just received. Well, wow. uh, I mean, it yeah. is. It's uh, guys have cycles, too. Right. I mean, geez. Well, this is our Dr. Okay. Homebrew cycle. This is exactly what it is. <laughs> we are here. It's our time of the month to be sitting here talking homebrew and everybody. We have Brian Cooper and Brian Shar. What's going on, fellers? Hey, we're here. We're talking I'm, to I'm, you. Yeah, that's right. I'm prepared to drink some to beer him. with you guys. <laughs> yeah, yes. for sure. We have what do we have? A Kolsch up today, I think, right? Yeah, it's no, actually, it's a triple IPA with uh, glitter and uh, <laughs> glitter and haziness. Uh, yeah, extra haziness for you. Reminds me, my friend gave me a cider the other day. He's like, "Yeah, here's that. Got a can of cider for you, which I probably should get out of my car." It's like, yeah, it's, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like uh, cranberry and, you know, fennel. And I was like, that sounds good. And glitter. And I'm like, glitter. people are still doing glitter in things to drink. I was like, yeah, why wouldn't they? I'm like, I, I, that's a good question. I don't know why they wouldn't, but I can tell you why they wouldn't, but they shouldn't. So I'm really not that excited to uh, dig that one out. <laughs> but well, uh, really, yeah, we did oh, the Northern man. California Homebrewers Festival. Um and it was like the uh, uh, what was it Vegas theme or whatever, and I I, came, I dressed up as Elvis, and I married some people too. That was fun. But I, I went around with you know people would <laughs> would uh, pull me around on their wagons as I was just sitting on this chair, and I I had a little vial of glitter that I would insist on putting in people. There, oh, baby, you need some glitter here. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man. yeah, there's some pink glitter for your beer, baby. There you go. <laughs> I couldn't do really, a really good Elvis, but it, and I I didn't fill out the the Elvis, um, the, but there was another guy that had the same Elvis costume and we were like palling around together and marrying nice. people. And yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But yeah, I put glitter in people's beer on purpose. Was it the it. edible glitter or was it just like yeah. glitter? Okay. Food, food grade. <laughs> sure that, yeah. Uh, that, just, that makes sense. That express right. purpose. Yep. Well, uh, hey, before we get into this beer, I want to thank our sponsor, Five Star. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com right now and figure out the best way to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment with Five Star Chemicals. It's pretty funny how that works out. Let me pull this tape off here. But yeah, check them out. If your homebrew shop doesn't have them, uh, don't go anywhere else. Ask the homebrew shop to order some for you. I'm sure they would love to get the state-of-the-art, the brand New, well, I wouldn't say it's brand new, but uh, the uh, you know the leader I'm going to say in cleaning and sanitizing for home your home brewery it's five star. It just is. It always will be. It always should be because they taught us how to do it right. They got us off the iodine, boys. You know what I mean? Oh man, they getting are... off of the iodine and the bleach were two of the best things I ever did for making my beer better. I missed the bleach cycle, but like the iodine <laughs> was like, oh my god, bro. And then I really like, literally remember five star coming out, and we're like. Hell yeah, dude. I love it. This is the best. It just, best. yeah, that you, it doesn't stain your equipment. It's, I remember yeah. before five star, before uh, Star Sand had the squeeze bottle where you can squeeze and like the auto measure, it was just in a bottle and that cap would twist on and sometimes it would break in shipping. Like I remember, it, yeah. Did you know the five star chemical company was founded in 1994? Good gravy. Wow. I did not know yeah. that. I did not know that. So anyway, be, thanks to five star. Yeah. Appreciate it. That'll be 30, 30 years in a few more, huh? Wow, that's crazy. Nate, welcome, dude. Welcome back, I should say. Hey, thanks, fellas, for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no sweat, man, no sweat. So you sent a Kolsch. 
Yes, sir. This is uh, actually a third time, so it's a re-rebrew, I guess. Re-rebrew. Okay, that's good. Oh, no. We're gonna we're gonna judge the beer, and we're gonna do all that. We're gonna take our break, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk to you about rebrewing and maybe get some tips from rebrewing and stuff like that because we do have a fair amount of people, even though they don't send in the beers, um, do rebrew these. And I think since that's a large portion, a large portion of our show, is like, hey, you should retry this and do whatever. Maybe we can we can pick your brain a little bit about the best way to sort of tackle all that, or Sounds we good. could we could turn it into a complaint session about like <laughs> what drives you crazy about the doctor's homebrew, what, <laughs> what they told you to do to your beer, and what you really should have done to your beer. Well, I can handle that. We don't need Nate for that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I can now see this is the problem. I can forego all of my dumbass questions and have Brian Cooper just start. Okay, I've got the beer and I've got the beer poured. Yeah, well, I poured it to look at the clarity. I'm going to pour it here to refresh the head, which is actually kind of nice and uh, fluffy and everlasting. Uh, the, um, the aroma, it's got a, a pleasant, clean, uh, lightly malty aroma with a, it's got like a faint kind of apple pear-like ester in there. It's just a moderately low amount, but it's it's fruitier. It's definitely fruitier than the Heineken we had been drinking on the last show. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, medium low spicy herbal hop, just lightly sweet seeming. I don't know if you can smell. It seems like your your brain, human brain, can probably smell things that seem sweet or have the impression of being sweet. Sure, because man. sugar is your brain's favorite favorite substance. Um, Mine is anime. Uh, yeah. A very faint sulfur. That's okay for the style. Um, Semi-light overall, but uh, definitely not boring. Uh, no diacetyl or acetaldehyde. It's cleanly brewed. Um, I really like the aroma. I give it uh, 10 out of 12 points for aroma. Appearance-wise, I gave it full points for appearance. Pale gold color with a soft-looking white head and mostly uh, very fine bubbles. Uh, persists quite nicely, clinging to the sides of the glass. I, it really, as, as I drank the one last night it was just it went down the glass and i i had to finish the bottle uh but yeah it's uh it went down the edges of the glass and just coated it all the way down so i'm trying to i, I meant to listen to the last show or t- two shows now where we've had this same beer and and remember what we told you to do or what the, was the head a problem because if if you were trying to fix the head on this one it it really worked um you know, the clarity is nice. It's, it's almost kind of lens, like, you know, through the glass. Um, as I finished the bottle, as I poured the last bit in, there was a little bit of haze that crept in from the bottom of the bottle. There was, there was a little sediment in there, but that it, it actually tasted just fine with that as well. Um, so yeah, full points for clearance. Um, there's just a, maybe a, a t- tiny bit of, it's not perfectly, perfectly clear. There, there might be just be a tiny, but you can still call it brilliant. Um, Colorwise, it's it's pretty. It's it is a pretty pale gold and almost. It's not grayish, but it's just almost like it's not as yellowy or orangey as you might expect the beer to be. But it's it's it, this is a light beer. It's it's fine. Flavor wise, a low soft maltiness, bready, and white bread crust like. A medium bitterness rises up to meet this with a low earth earthy herbal character. Um, something just a little bit biting. Uh, I thought maybe it chucked up to the hops and a, a little bit of bitterness. Clean, low temp ale ferment uh, is apparent, uh, balanced to the malt. The finish is quite dry um, and also a bit minerally with that, that minerality kind of staying in the aftertaste. Um, so it has this kind of combination of bitterness and dry finish um, with a little mineral quality, but I would say it's not, it's weird because it's like, I want the the crispness of a, a Colson, it's kind of a mouthfeel thing too, but it's maybe not classically crisp like you expect, but it seems like it should be with all that, you know, just the descriptors that that are there. It should be. It's it's dry enough and it's refreshing enough. And there's like the maybe the minerals getting in the way a little bit, but um, you know, all that's there seems seems right. It's a delicate beer, so that kind of bitterness is standing out a little bit there. Mouthfeel wise, um, I gave it a fourteen out of twenty for flavor mouthfeel wise medium light bodied with no warmth or creaminess medium carbonation and i don't know if it's a bitterness or, or just the faintest bit of astringency poking through it doesn't seem really astringent um just making it just a little bit a little bit rougher not harsh at all but just a little bit of 
more intense uh, bite. You could kind of pull it down a point on mouthfeel, but um, you know, for the most point, it's, it's pretty refreshing and um, just a little bit of an edge to it. Um, overall, this is a pleasant drinking Kolsch. Just there's a little something in the way of it of the smoothness of it for some reason. I don't know. It's a clean maltiness in um, such a delicate beer. It's, I'm having trouble reading my own notes. <laughs> I was like, you all right, man? Yeah. It's that, that NA is hitting me now. I'm getting extra sober. Um, that 0. 0.0. Yeah, the, 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 the really, really delicate maltiness in such a light beer like this can be easily uh, can easily become hidden behind minor distractions, like a little bit of mineral or something light, a little husk-like or something in the, the mouthfeel. But, um, or, or, you know, any oxidation would do the same thing, but I don't think there's any uh, oxidation here. Um. If anything, you can maybe just boost up the maltiness a little bit here, just a touch, real fine points, and uh, back off on the, the the minerals in the water just a bit uh, to improve the balance a little bit. So it's a really finely crafted beer with a uh, wonderful aroma, a um, ton of nice things that went right, especially the cleanliness of the fermentation. Um, landing on a 38 here. I think it's a really, it's, a, it's an excellent beer. I don't remember where I landed the last time, but you're, you're hitting some good marks here. I would just like it maybe a little crisper and, and something's kind of getting in the way of that delicate light sweetness in the malt. And I don't know what it is for sure, but uh, let me see what Brian says about this beer. I, I like this beer quite a bit. Um, and I hope that as uh, JP was saying, I hope we're not going to start giving you contradictory advice uh, and like taking you in circles or something. Um uh, <laughs> So uh, I thought uh, aroma-wise, uh, there's a low malt aroma, uh, crisp, and kind of like just milled grain a little bit to me. It was very inviting. I like that a lot. Uh, clean, no off aromas. Uh, I got a very low uh, berry slash fruit aroma, which is, uh, which is really good. You know, people talk about uh, like a light fruitiness in a Kolsch, uh, and this is the kind of light fruitiness I think that really should be in a Kolsch. Uh, light doesn't mean, you know, it's like three on a, on, a, on a scale of one to 10. It's like light should be like a one. And I think that you succeeded in getting the, the fruity esters right. The aroma uh, is no, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Really like the aroma. Uh, there's no hop aroma and that's appropriate for style. I gave it nine out of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance three out of three. Uh, it's crystal clear. Very impressive. It was a low persistent white head. Uh, pale gold in color uh, flavor. Initially, the uh, the uh, flavor is soft malt, uh, not quite as perfumey as Pils malt. malt. So I'll, I'll be curious uh, what kind of uh, grains you had in your grain bill. So we'll hear about that later on. Uh, what did we tell him to put it in it, in it last time to, tr- to <laughs> cheat his way into a better culse? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there's some medium low bitterness that comes up to balance mid palate. Uh, you know, it's, it's a firm bitterness and firm bitterness doesn't mean it's an IPA, you know, firm bitterness just means that it's, there's some bitterness there and it stands up to the malt and it's perceptible and it's, and it's good. Uh, well attenuated uh, finish is uh, balanced and of moderate length. Uh, I get a very low spicy hop flavor. If I talk myself into it, uh, I don't really get a lot of hop flavor uh, in general. Uh, 15 out of 20. Uh, mouthfeel, 5 out of 5. Mouthfeel is soft, uh, rounded, and creamy. No astringency. Uh, carbonation is medium, uh, medium low body, no warming. You shouldn't have warming in a Kolsch. Uh, I guess you could have an Imperial Kolsch, but uh, I'm sure someone's made one of those at some point. I'm not sure that's something I would really want to drink a lot of. Uh, overall impression, uh, eight out of 10 for a total of 40. Uh, you know, I, I love the, the bitterness. I love the fruitiness. Uh, the only thing holding this back uh, from being like a 45 to me is kind of the, the, the very, very low hop flavor, right? So I, I kind of have to talk myself into it. And maybe I'm just a little bit stuffed up or something. Maybe I'm just not quite getting the hop. Uh, you know, the guidelines require at least low hop flavor. Uh, and to me, that's like the only thing that is not like right, right down the middle and right. Just perfect uh, about making this a, a perfect Kolsch. 
uh, and the bitterness is great. The malt is great. The fermentation's great. There's nothing, there's no off aromas, no off flavors. Uh, but I, I think that, I mean, you're, you're up, up to 40 for me. And I think that maybe just a little bit more hop flavor uh, probably could you know, have this go up to like a, a 44, 45 point beer. So well done. Thank you for sharing. Excellent. Awesome. All right, Nate, what do you think, man? What did you do? So I'm super happy with, you know, a 38 and a 40. I mean, the last episode, that's what I said. My goal is to get this to a 40 point beer, just knowing how, how tough a Kolsch can be and, you know, and just the, the balance and how subtle that can be. It, it really is a tough beer. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with, you know, a 38 and a 40 just to be around, around that, um, around that window. So yeah, I, I'm stoked. And, you know, the, the last one I sent in, one of getting a 28, right? So, the, I mean, I, I went down and, and the, the first one I sent back, um, you know, early in, in 2021, that was a 36 out of 50. So okay. actually went down on my second batch. Um, I, I kind of did kind of cheated some some things there, kind of kind of shorted some some techniques here. And, and this one, I really wanted to, you know, do the best I could with a lot of things. So maybe what I'll do is I'll just kind of start with a recipe and we'll kind of go over the recipe and then if you want, there's some time here at the end, we can kind of talk about, you know, what I did differently across the bat, the batches here and, and what I think helped to get me this, this score up here a little bit. So yeah, right on. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So for this one, it's also just um, 10 pounds of malt for, um, you know, five and a half gallon batch into the fermenter. So I went with, um, I, I kind of splurged a little bit and used a, a little better Pilsner malt. So I, I don't know if it's appropriate to use names here, but I went with like a, um, so the, the, the Pelton Pilsner Mecca grade malt. So I, I want to get some of that maltiness, that more flavor in, in the past. I've kind of used, you know, some, some of the bigger brands where maybe it doesn't have the much flavor. Now, I, I was hoping that that Pelton Pilsner from Mecca grade would bring a little more flavor to it. Um, so it was 80% um, that Pilsner malt. Um, I did one pound of uh, Vienna um, breeze malt. And then I did a pound of flaked maize, just trying to get that, that dryness, really trying to, um, again, get that, that crisp feeling in the beer. Um, with that, with that flaked maize. It is um, dry, mashed, yeah. Yeah, mashed everything at 149. Again, really trying to drive that, that crisp flavor. And, and I know Brian picked out, a, you know, almost a more round mouthfeel. And again, everything I was doing was trying to drive that crispness, try, you know, almost get to that, like a lager type, type finish with it. So um, I did use treated water. So that's one of the other things I've changed. I used to treat, you know, my tap water with a chloramine tablet just to get rid of the um, monochloramines and chlorine that are in the water system. But one thing I really want to do is, and I probably should have started with RO water in general, but I, I used a, a mix of RO water and spring water. So that might've added some of this minerality that um, Brian Cooper picked up on. So, so my intent was to really try to get to a, um, you know, this 2.5 sulfate to chloride ratio where it's supposed to really drive that dry and, and bitter kind of dry bitterness. And, and that's where I was going from, from a mineral addition. So I was like, you know, in the mid sixties for my calcium, you know, a couple points of magnesium, no sodium and about 45 chloride. And then just that 110 sulfate. So not huge on the minerals, but still trying to drive to that that ratio that, that they expect to be, you know, a dry, a dry crisp finish. So I was actually a little nervous that maybe I didn't have enough minerals in there, but you know, by the sounds of it, maybe, maybe it's a little more minerally. Cause again, I did use that blend of, of um, RO water and some spring water. So I'm, I'm assuming that spring water already has some natural minerality into it. So I'm it not will. quite sure yeah. where that lands. You can, you can find general numbers for it. They might not be right, but yeah, you can guesstimate where it might be. And yeah, your sulfates might've been a little higher than you, you thought they were, but that is a good um, approach for sure. Just blending RO with a, with a spring water to get close to just like kind of a light neutral water for, for a beer like this and then going a little bit up with certain minerals, but, but you don't want to go too, too crazy either. So yeah, nice, sure. nice job with the water. I would, I would say maybe back off that sulfate just a little bit. Okay. For me, but yeah. Sure. It, Just make a quick note here for myself. It, yeah. So, so yeah, it was a, you know, 60 minute mash here. I, I did a 60 minute again in the last batch. I kind of shorted that a little bit. Um, so made sure I did that. I did a, um, kind of did a sparge for about 20 minutes. And then I went into a, a 90 minute boil again, just with a high load of Pilsner malt. The last episode um, when I was on, you guys did pick up some, you know, some cream corn type notes to it. And again, I kind of did this short kind of modified version trying to get a batch done in, in a little short order here so i went tried to do everything from a best practice standpoint from um you know high pills or malt 
Yeah. Um, the, the sulfur was really restrained. There's not much here for sulfur and it's acceptable to have a little bit. It's in the acceptable range here. So that was good. Awesome. Yes. So I did, did, you know, full 90 minute boil had, had a pretty good rolling boil there. Uh, as far as the hops go. So I did add an ounce of German tradition at that, that 90 minutes. So those were about a 5.7 alpha acid. Um, I did 15 minutes with milfru and those were, those came in at, um, about 4.8. And then I did an ounce at, um, four minutes. So right at, right at, right before I, you know, knocked the, the, the propane off there. So I had some, some tetanang, some German tetanang at 3.3. So trying to get a little bit of that aroma and a little bit of flavor in there. Um, so I had about three total ounces and trying to stick to those, you know, German, German hops there, trying to keep it with, with, um, you know, on style there as best I could there. And, and, you know, I'm picking up on, on Brian's comments there, maybe get a little more hop flavor. Maybe I could add, you know, a quarter ounce to each of those, those last two additions. I, I think the bitter bitterness was, was good. Um, but maybe I could add another, yeah. you know, quarter ounce that mill through it at 15 minutes and maybe another quarter ounce of, of tetanang to kind of maybe boost that hop flavor a little bit and, and, and help that out a little bit. Yeah. I, I think sometimes those, those noble hops, the, the German and Czech hops can be a little tricky mm-hmm. in that they sometimes, I mean, I've had saws from the homebrew store that are like 2% alpha af- acid. Uh, and I know it's not the alphas that are the entirety of the flavor or aroma or, or, or character of any hop, right? There's essential oils and a whole bunch of other things. But I, I think sometimes, you know, we're so used to as American homebrewers, throwing around, you know, Simcoe and Citra, you know, 10% uh, alpha hops and things that we start dealing with some of the German or Czech or other continental hops that are maybe 3%, you know, 4% alpha. And we're maybe reluctant to, to put in a lot because we're, our brains are thinking, oh, why just tossed in three ounces that this is going to be an IPA. Uh, but it's just there you know, or, or like West coast hops are here for uh, content of alpha acids and oils. And a lot of the noble hops are like down here and that's, that's okay. That's, they are what they are, but I, I yeah. think that that can be maybe lead sometimes to not hopping enough uh, with those, those noble hops in places where you need to hop. I agree with some of the hop comments too. At the same time, you want to be careful because you're you're dealing as you add more and more hops, you're dealing with a lot of plant matter, and you might start exactly. to get kind of a, a you know a vegetal plant like green grassiness in the beer that you don't want in there if you go too crazy. I think it's a subtle adjustment that might be needed. Um, I'm not getting a lot of you said there's some sauce in here, I guess, but I'm not getting a lot of spiciness. I'm getting more of kind of the earthy herbal character. You want to maybe bring up the floral and the spice a little bit, maybe a little more sauce, a little more um, holler towel, get the floral up a little bit. Um, that'd be fun for sure, but not not too heavy. Yeah, like I said, maybe a quarter ounce of each. Um, you don't have to brew it for American tastes and go nuts with it. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense with the hops there. Um, you know, and so so when I you know kick the the, the flame out here, try to do some some things to you know get into a best practice here. So I, I chilled it down you know below below seventy here um, you know with with my immersion chiller and then I I want to oxygenating it. So I have a O2 canister and I've got a you know rod that goes in the fermentation vessel. So again I hit it with oxygen for thirty seconds to forty five seconds. Again just trying to do everything I can to, to get this thing out to a, a good start. Right, um, I didn't do. Um, a yeast starter. That's one thing I, maybe I could have done better, but uh-huh. I mean, the attenuation was really good. I didn't, I didn't notice any off flavors there. So I wound up using um, an Imperial yeast, the, the Dieter, and I got down to a, a 1.006 after about nine days. So um, fermented most of that at, at about 60 degrees. The last three days, I brought it up to about 64, 65. And they also added a, a spunding valve there too. So I'm just, just kind of ca- capture some of that CO2 as it's going off. And, and one other thing I did with this too is, so I, I, I keg everything. What I did is wound up filling my corny keg full of um, star sand or a, you know, sanitary solution there. And as I was priming, I, I, I used the, the fermentation vessel to basically push that five gallons of star sand out of the keg that I was going to use to, to, to keg this. So just, you know, A, not waste CO2, but you know, any aromas or flavors, you kind of capture it in, in that, in that vessel. So the, the same vessel that I was using to capture the beer, basically I used, you know, the, 
the fermentation CO2 to, to purge all that, that sanitary solution out before I put it in there. So again, it's trying to do everything I can as, as a closed system for this beer too, just knowing how, how subtle and how delicate it is. Um, and then, then the fermentation vessel too, I use is be able to transfer out of it without any oxygen. So using CO2 to, you know, push from the fermentation vessel into the CO, into the, into my keg and just kind of vent the keg as I'm doing that. Just again, it minimize any, any oxygen exposure here with, with a, a style like this to, you know, get, keep, keep those cardboardy flavors away type of thing. So. Yeah. Even you want to purge the, any beer lines that it's going through, make sure those are all purged with CO2, just everything that the beer is going to touch and, and you kept the oxygen out. It seems, you know, to a pretty, pretty high degree. That's good. Yeah. So after fermentation there, so I, I want to blogging at, at 38 degrees Fahrenheit for about 14 days. And then I, I want to transferring to that keg that I said that I get purged with a kind of a natural CO2. And it sat in the keg for 14 days before I went up packaging and sending to you guys, um, you know, and, and hopefully that sat cool too while, you know, be, before judging here. So I, I think it wanted to be, you know, just about a month, a month of lagering time um, before it got out to you guys. And yeah, it kind of, kind of sat cool for that whole time. So yeah, that's pretty pretty much the recipe. I think I, I can hit up everything from the yeast to the hops and and the grain bill there, and and talk a little bit about the mineral additions there. So, so he, I got a thing to talk about, and I get like immediately when I tasted this, I got like a hand soap flavor, like a it was like you know like floral like hand soap, you know, not like super floral, but like um, I don't know, just like a hand hand fucking hand soap. I don't know, whatever antibacterial hand soap. Like a floral. <laughs> The it's not hop. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not there all the time. It like comes and goes. But um, yeah, like a like a, a light hand soap thing. How long was it in um, in on First primary? Your, your glass there, JP. <laughs> no, no, we wash in the dishwasher because we are middle class. Well, I wash my hands really well before I package all this, so I don't get any contamination to you guys uh. here. But <laughs> it was about it was about fourteen days in in the. Um, in the keg, another four. I'm sorry, 14 days in the primary and 14 days in the keg before packaging. So, and he only put two pumps of hand soap in the keg this time. <laughs> yeah. Like last time, he used three, and we said, "No, you got to back that off, buddy." You guys don't get that, like a I don't like really, a no. flowery alkaline thingy, floral, no. floral hop. No, and and Nate, what okay. what malt Maybe did my you say you used? I don't know. What what were your malts? What malt? So yeah, eighty percent was the Pelton Pilsner Mechagrade malt. Okay. I did one pound okay. of Vienna malt, just the, the breeze variety, and then one pound of flaked maize. And, an and, and the hops yeah. again were so it was an ounce of German tradition at ninety minutes, uh, an ounce of Hallertau Middle Fruit at fourteen minutes, and an ounce of the Tetnang German Tetnang at four minutes. Maybe yeah. it's and a maybe combination. But maybe that Middle Fruit is kind of coming through a little bit. Maybe it's the Pilsner malt, right? It's it, mecha grade. It's not like a standard continental Pilsner or something. Correct. And I'm not getting a hand sanitizer uh, or hand soap smell, but maybe that's, I mean, Pilsner can be very perfumey and maybe it's throwing off something perfumey that you're more sensitive to. Maybe, but like, I know the, the Pilsner perfumey thing and that's not what I'm getting. Yeah. It, it is very okay. much like, uh, I'm trying to think of like the, the actual brand um, of just hand Soap. I can't think of it. To me, I, I get I get a flowery kind of like mill fruit kind of throws that off for me. It, I, I don't get like the soapiness, but like the kind of like that fla that aroma. To me, mill fruit gives that that to me a little bit. But I mean, I it mean, is it, it is if I if I do it like on the side of the glass, like if I hold the glass <laughs> like at a ninety degree to my fucking nose, <laughs> I can I can I can do a perfumey thing, but it just it's like. I don't know, man. It's 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 a little more, uh, maybe almost even um, um, synthetic floral. Hmm. It's just this weird combo that maybe maybe it is the malt with the the hop sort of like a geranial with the malt thing kind of blending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Did your daughter put play doh into that glass like before the show? No, we actually don't let her use glassware. <laughs> she will was, cut yeah. us. We'll blame the Flonase <laughs> yeah. as well. All right. Well, look, man, if, if you guys don't get it, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Yeah. Well, it doesn't mean you didn't get it, JP. It. I mean, no, it's I know, because you're sure. sensitive to something that we're not, and I'm just, yeah. I'm not getting it. And that's okay. No, you three are wrong. 
<laughs> well, and you do have to be mindful when you're judging of like, did, did you use a, a hand soap before you judge the beer and you're like, right. Your hands can carry that stuff pretty well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I actually haven't ever washed my hands ever. Okay. <laughs> so I know that's not what it is. Hmm. Uh, um, anyway, actually, you know what? It's a good time to take a break. So hang okay, on a second. Okay. We're going to take a break. That. We'll be right back here on Dr. Humber. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Now, back to the examination. Thanks for hanging around, everybody. We're still here with Nate, who uh, brewed this Kolsch again for the third time. And uh, I think we're pretty much done talking about it, right? I mean, we covered everything. I'm right. You guys are wrong. That whole kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I've, I figured. Um, so let's talk rebrew. So, Nate, you were saying earlier that you rebrewed this. This is the third iteration. Yeah. Yep. So the, the first time I did this was kind of my getting back in home brewing. So after some some youngsters that, you know, blessed their lives here about three years ago, I took took a little bit of a break and um, back in, uh, I think it was 2020, April, 2020, I, I made a, a coal shear, just kind of got a kid off the shelf at my local homebrew club and, um, you know, send it in for evaluation. Well, I mean, some of the things that I like to do, I mean, I love, I love to share my beer, but I also like the feedback portion of it. And, and really I'm, I don't know. I always like to try to improve things and try to make things better. And that, that's why I love, you know, being on the show and sending beers out to you guys. It kind of, you know, fits all three of those things. So, you know, after that first episode, I learned some things that I thought I could do better. And, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, listening to a few folks out there and well, you know, some of the, some of the thoughts out there is, you know, maybe I could, you know, hammer out a Kolsch in a, in a shorter amount of time and get things turned around and um, kind of, kind of skirted some, some things there and, and did almost like a, I had an abbreviated brew day there and, and, and you guys definitely picked up on some things. So, you know, that, that first beer I did want to be a 36 out of 50. So, you know, one of the things is I didn't have maybe as much Pilsner malt in there as I should have. I had more, um, um, pale ale malt in there so it was mm-hmm. a little darker and um you know missed missed the note on some hoppiness there um carbonation wasn't where it needed to be and um you know so, so i did this rebrew and, and again i probably you know shortcut some things that i that i i probably shouldn't have so you know <laughs> early, earlier this year i sent that in and you guys picked up on it i mean you nailed it so i did a you know a shorter mash and a shorter boil so you guys picked up on you know some cooked corn or some cream corn or some some dms yeah. flavors and and really from we went from a 36 you know score which was a little dark and and maybe needed some some bitterness reduction went to a 28 which took too much bitterness off and uh-huh. and really kind of cheated those things and and this thir- this third time i really wanted to you know do things right or do things by the book from a, a colch or really treat you know a high pilsner malt um grist oh, here classic. you know with respect and, and where where it should be you know so it, our, that was our, my goal i think even on the, the last episode i said you, you guys can help me get this to a 40 point beer and it only took one more <laughs> shot here so i <laughs> i took your advice here and again one, one of the things i want to do is I, I want to bring some good quality malt to this too right and and no no offense to any any maltsters out there but again i just again trying to put my best foot forward put up uh, you know bought one of a good, a good quality malt that I was out there, did a little research and, and brought that, that mecha grade, um, Pelton Pilsner malt, um, a little bit of Vienna. And then, then that flake maze really to try to dry things up and, and try to get that, try to drive that crispness. That's as, as a home brewer and, and just, you know, being in a home brew club and, and 
that's one of the toughest things I think we can do is really to try to drive to those, those lager qualities, like even a Kolsch being a hybrid, you know, trying to drive that crispness and that, that dryness is, is sometimes pretty tough. So it's a, it's a super challenge. I mean, I think the malt is high quality. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things about Mecca. I've never used them before or whatever, but yeah, I just drank it again. I got that same soapy thing. So I don't know, man, I don't know what the deal is. Now, uh, yeah, with, uh, you know, maize, you can, you can use maize or, or rice or other things to lighten up. Um, some coastals use a wheat malt. Um, and that's another thing you can experiment with in the future. If you want, I would say too, that uh, yeah, our, our, I was going to make a joke, but that our, our goal wasn't to have you make better beer. Our goal is to have you spend like twice as much for this batch than you needed <laughs> than you did on the first time or something. Yeah. I'm sure this was not an inexpensive batch to produce, but like you, you, you splurged on, on good ingredients and you had had some fun kind of trying to get to basics on it. And that's, that's good. Um, you know, you can get a, a good uh, classic German Pilsner malt and um, you know, or pale malt from Germany um and and go traditional but there are some really good uh u.s craft maltsters that are making products that that the border on the 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 character and the quality of those those malts and they're made here so you know that's that's cool uh we we had a fun you know at, at one of the homebrew cons there was a good uh, malt tasting when and they just like you know mecca was there and all these and all these other craft maltsters and we just got to taste the malts and talk with the you know, the, the people that made them. And, and that was really fun because you know, there's some really good stuff going on uh, these days. So yeah, yeah a lot more, more choices than we used to have. <laughs> and one, of the, one of the big suggestions too, this the last two beers I, I wound up using was, was a dry yeast. And, and I was getting almost like a, like a Belgian characteristic or almost like a, some spicy notes. And, and you both picked up on them, both beers. And, and I noticed that too. And, you know, I think, I know you guys made some suggestions using, you know, a liquid yeast and, and I want to try the, the Imperial yeast the, the Dieter and, and it seemed to really do a, a great job I mean it kicked off super fast and and really did a, a solid job fermenting there and I, I didn't pick up nearly the off flavors I did with with some of those dry yeast that I've used the last couple of batches so um and then just trying to treat things right right so I've got a dedicated you know I got an old old freezer that I'm using from a, as a fermentation chamber basically to you know keep that that temperature down in the 60s for the most part and and I think again just using a good quality liquid yeast I think I think there's a lot of lot of options out there for everybody right but you know good quality you know liquid yeast and you know using a, a, a yeast starter is probably a good option if, if if there's any questions with you know the age or how you know how it was treated or if it set out warm for any period of time but this stuff was pretty fresh and I got it pretty pretty close and was able to pitch it pretty close so I wasn't I wasn't too worried and and yeah. for the attenuation I got there, I'd, it seemed like it was pretty good. So I, I didn't have too many concerns and I thought it was a good opportunity to s- send this one out to you guys to try to get a, you know, an improved beer here. So yeah, that's one, you know, one of the things I like to do is experiment. So, you know, trying a few things with uh, the new malt and the, and the new yeast and, and get your feedback on it. So I, that's part of the process and the hobby that I really enjoy. And that is part of, you know, rebrewing a beer is, is it's not, you know, not, not everybody, anyone who wants to can send their beer to us and, and we'll give you feedback. But, you know, um, one of the, one of the best tips of course that you can do is to, you know, if you're in a homebrew club and you have beer judges in your club, share the beer with people. Like, you know, we had the guy in the last show that brought his beer to his club and, and they all started tasting green pepper and he thought it was maybe a little bit, they were joking with him or something and spread the word around, but he just couldn't quite get that, that flavor and aroma component. There's some things where you have blind spots in your senses that other people will pick up on and help you to hone in on what's going on with your beer, how to make it better. And if you listen to them and don't just get big headed, like my beer is the best, you know, like <laughs> forget you guys, you know, really listen to people and take it to heart. And it seems like you, you've done that. So, I mean, I would say if just generally, if we could talk about some, tips for rebrewing a beer i mean i think the the number one and what a lot of our brewers definitely already do is to uh and you nate also obviously do is to take good notes you know what you did and you know um you know what maybe went so went okay with that batch and what what didn't and did that fermentation take off just take really good notes about every aspect and and the no not just the gravities but just every aspect of your brew day, what you did. And, and, you know, you don't have to get too anal about it, but just, you know, make sure you capture what, what you did. If your mash temp was a little higher, a little lower or whatever it is, fermentation temps, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but I say number two for me too, would just be to be patient. It, it takes time to have a batch come out and to, 
you know, say, oh, okay, I'm just going to rebrew this and I'll, oh, next week I'll brew another one before that one's finished and I'll do another third one. Like before you even taste the first one, you might be going way down the wrong path and, and, and <laughs> never, never get on the right path. So just be patient, brew the beer, drink it when it's ready. Let it, you know, if it's, if it's green at first, let it age a little bit and let, you know, let it, let it condition, let it, you know, uh, uh, acclimate, whatever you want to call it and just taste it as it, as it ages a little bit and see, okay, this is where this beer is. And, and it's, it's not really improving with uh, time, but just like, you know, taste it and see where it's at and, and, and figure out where you want to go. That's like decide maybe what most needs improvement in the beer. That would be kind of number Number three, I guess, for me is like, okay, you know, is it is it a malt thing that you want to change? What did you like or not like about the beer? Um, well, and you, the the malt you know, may, brings up a good point, Nate. So you you know you changed the malt up. You said you wanted to go with like a, a high quality malt and and all that kind. Of, but how come you went with like a domestic instead of a European malt? And for just there's no right or sure. wrong answer. I'm yeah. just curious. Because in, in my mind, those things don't really necessarily equate for a style like this, for a, you know, more of a European style. It's harder, I think, to find a domestic malt that comes through. And this one does do a good job, but I think it's, um, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's a bold choice. It was a brave choice, I think, to do that. So what, what, made you, what led you down that path? Yeah, and again, you know, from an experimental standpoint, the easiest thing for folks to do is is probably change one variable at a time, right? So I yeah. I changed my yeast, I changed my water, and I changed my you know the biggest biggest portion of my of my grain. But again, what I want to do is really try to you know get get to a good point here with this beer. I didn't want to really you know screw around a whole lot, especially if I wanted to send it to you guys. I want to put my best foot forward. So you know, the last time I wound up using was a was the Avangard German Pils malt. So it was a German based you know malt there. And my guess my guess looking back, the, the probably the two biggest things I, I probably did was starting with a good water, at least a water that I understood. So like in our own water and then, and then getting a good quality liquid yeast. I think those are probably the two biggest things I, I, I probably did. And then, and then treating those, you know, where they need to be, <laughs> excuse me, from a fermentation temperature. The last one I try to keep, you know, pretty cool as well. But again, what I want to do is I want to get to a best practice kind of standpoint here. And, and maybe I could have kept with the, the you know, the German pills here and, and been just fine. But again, with, with this rebrew, I wanted to really, you know, put my best foot forward and, and get some good quality ingredients and, and try to get some maltiness too there. Cause sometimes mm -hmm. though, like some of those other brands, there's not a whole lot of flavor that gets lended there, you know? And, and that's, that's what I want to try to do is bring, bring some of that malty yeah. character with it. I know well, all I think that's, uh, that's by design, I think too, for those malts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, especially if you're if you're if you're thinking about rebrewing and 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 beefing up the recipe a little bit, that's a big consideration. Is your base malt, and and you know we have the luxury now of oh, not now, but oh, well, yeah, I guess even now, like with the you know, Admiral and and Mecca and these sort of like newer malt houses, we can sort of shop around a little bit more and get a little more fine tuning to our base malt profile, especially yeah. in a beer like this where it matters a lot. Right. And if you decide it's your malt that needs changing, you know, um, you know, what did you not like about the malt before? What, what, what malts do you hear good things about out there? You know, if you're changing your base malt, like you did. Um, but also sometimes it's not like, um, you know, uh, increasing or, or switching out a malt. It's, it's, you know, maybe taking away a, a specialty malt or something that's kind of getting in the way of your style that maybe didn't need to be there. Or you're, you know, some people take a kitchen sink approach and try to make it maltier by adding six different kinds of specialty malts when you may just need one or two and you know sometimes simplifying the recipe is the, the best thing but other times hey if it works and you've done it with the six malts and that gives you the flavor profile that you want go for it you know i, I would say too one thing that maybe you maybe didn't quite you've, you've changed a lot of things every time you know and, and sometimes some of the classic advice is to you know, some people say just change one thing at a time. Well, that, that if you don't have a lot of patience, that's going to take a lot of time and take you forever to get where you're going. So, but I would say change a limited number of things at a time and resist the urge to change too many more. I would say, you know, change a couple things at a time. If you're, if you like, okay, you got some feedback from people, this small, it could be changed. Maybe this, this is poking out a little too much and, you know, you might experiment with your yeast, but 
I mean, that's, that's two big things right away. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe just do one of those things and something else simple, like a light adjustment to the water maybe, or that was yeah. poking out, whatever it might be, but just whatever your, your judge friends tell you is like, okay, what well, what would you change if you changed one thing? And, you know, well, so what are you going to do next? So, you know, I'm, you again, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this beer. If, if, if I do a rebrew, maybe, maybe I'll wait, I'll save it till spring and maybe I'll, I'll do a little more hops there and, and try to get that, that score up to maybe a 45 and then, then maybe make this like a competition beer. So again, I, I would just, from a coal standpoint, I, I'm super happy to get to a, a level around 40 and, and I appreciate you guys, you know, working with me and having me on here a couple of times mm -hmm. to, you know, I want to take a step back, but I think I take two steps forward since then. And, and again, got this to a, a pretty decent beer. And again, on a Kolsch and, and to get a score of around a 40 from, from you guys, I'm, I'm super happy. And, and this has been a, a really fun process too, right? Cause I've, I've made a couple of changes and, and realized what I did wrong and, and kind of did things better. And, and, you know, maybe next time what I'll do is I'll, I'll go back to all German, German pills and, and see what it comes out at and add a little more of those German hops and, and try to get some of that, that, um, that presence in the, in the hops out there and, and see if I can't get it to a 40 plus beer. So yeah, no, this is super fun. Like I say, this, this is part of the hobby that I enjoy is, you know, trying to make things better and, and always improving things and, and sharing my beer and, and just talking over with you folks. So this is, this is pretty cool stuff for me. So it's cool. It's been, been fun for hey, us did a too, great job, for sure. Man. Yeah. Nice yeah. Job. This, you know, I, something you said about waiting until the spring and brewing it again, and I tasted a sip of it. And I was like, you know what this tastes like if there is such a thing as a winter Kolsch. Hmm. it's a little bit malty it's a little bit there's a little bit of oomph there and then i imagine your spring colch is going to be lighter i don't know why i just <laughs> i'll keep the hand soap out of the spring version please do that <laughs> because that the hand soap has sort of died down a little bit we use irish as it spring. warms i get a little like green apple skin but i think that's appropriate to style in, in a little bit than what it is yeah. yeah i don't know i just i get that floral hand soap fresh hand soap it's not stale <laughs> so there's that um, I, I'm gonna let Brian chime in too on tips for rebrewing. But another thing I would say too is just to um, to be consistent in your practices. Like try to make sure you're you're hitting your gravities. If you're rebrewing a beer with a new malt and you, you're ten points over on your starting gravity, it's gonna be a different beer. So just be ready to you know if you don't hit your gravity, at least adjust down with with the you know water and get it closer to where it was or whatever and just avoid changing too many variables at a time you know and as you're deciding you know what to change with the base malt and things like that just go into the homebrew shops and taste all the different malts and smell all the different hops that, that you have at your disposal you got a huge choices these you know these days and um, there's a ton of variables you can add to the beers some of the malts that may may also may taste good or interesting in the homebrew shop they come out different in the beer. So have some beers that have been brewed with them. If you can, and, you know, find commercial examples that tout certain ingredients and say, okay, I kind of like the way that ingredient's playing in here. And just get experience with, you know, almost like judging experience, Be become a beer judge. That's another thing you can do, but, you know, at least ask a judge or enter a competition um, with your beer and see what they say. And just really listen yeah. to it. It's really I will let Brian Cooper take a breath here for a second. Brian Sean. Yes. Why don't you Brian what do you got? Yeah, I, I don't know that I have a lot to add over what Cooper just said. I think All right. That, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I think that what, what you're saying, uh, Cooper, about having, you know, uh, set processes that you're you, you have the basics down so that you, you're taking notes, you're doing you know, the, the same stuff the same way each time. Uh, yeah. And you're showing us the notebook <laughs> there on on uh, video, Nate. Um, and then I also like you were saying, uh the conventional wisdom is don't change more than one thing at a time. I think when it comes to recipe stuff, that's probably good advice. But if it's something like, oh, I've got a bad, I've got bad sanitation in this one area, there's no reason why you can't fix your sanitation and also make some other change. And I think the key is to understand, you know, don't make too many changes at once. But if you're making multiple changes, understand why you're doing each one and what the interaction might be like something like fixing your sanitation is only going to be positive. And let's say then you add more hops or you change your malt ratio or something that's kind of independent from your sanitation. And you can make that change and not worry about, Oh, well, what's, what's, what's that going to do to my, my flavor uh, or characteristics of my finished beer. But 
yeah, I think other than that, I don't think I've got a lot to add other than what uh, than what you said, Brian. All right, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of just common wisdom, but you know, just just um, and 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 number six would be just have fun doing it. You know, and it seems like you have Nate. So, and we've enjoyed again having you. And thanks for thanks for sharing your beer so many times. That should be number one, not number six. You should be having. That's the point. It's a hobby, and it should be fun. You know, we're not doing this to uh, for a living or to make money or something. If we're spending all this time and effort, it should be something that we enjoy and that is fun for us. Touche. Very good. One last quick comment, if I can make quick, just like you guys talked about the notes. That's that's one thing that that's super helpful. And then there's tons of brewing software out there too. I'm not going to plug any one out there, but I've used different ones. And if you really want to drive consistency in what you're changing, I mean, there's some great tools and calculators out there, and and it's almost spot on now with your color and and your IBUs and and how you get to things. I mean, there's some really great tools out there, and just encourage folks to to dabble around there and use those and, and start, you know making it, you know, if you've got a notebook, that's great too, but you know, utilize some of this, these online softwares that can really narrow things down. And, and especially from a judging standpoint, where you're trying to get into a, a window or a set style, a lot of these have, you know, style guidelines built right in and, and you can tweak your IBUs or your, your SRM based on your colors and, and your attenuation. And, and you can really, you know, tune your own, your own process, right? I mean, all homebrewers kind of do things a little differently. And once you know your system, I mean, you can really change the software to, you know, manage where your losses are and, and really get really consistent results. I mean, that's just one thing I've learned probably the last 12 months is some of the software out there has been, been huge and, you know, taking good notes and, and figuring out where your losses are and, and get, getting really repeatable results. If you want to, you know, continue to have beers that are spot on each time, I think, you know, having those notes and, and relying on something to, to, you know, kind of give you a little bit of a hand and uh, with that software, I think is just something I encourage folks to take a look at and, and look Agreed. out there. So software yeah. can be a great tool for, for Absolutely. like, uh, you know, it, it's still going to be no substitute for being sloppy on sanitation or something else. Let it, what, you know, the good brewers out there, they'll use consistent recipes and they also like control every variable that they can to make sure that their, their beer that they've produced has become a hit, whatever in their brewery, it's their flagship always tastes the same day in and day out as close as it can be. You know, there's always going to be a little variation in some of the craft breweries, but uh, the macros especially take that stuff super seriously. Oh, you you got to. Uh, All right. We're going to take a quick break. Nate, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for sending beer. We look forward to uh, iteration number four in the spring. (laughs) Thanks, Mm -hmm. fellas. Have a good evening. Appreciate your time. You too. All right. It's Dr. Homer, everyone. Hang on. We'll be right back. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. everybody real quick seggy here to wrap up the show uh it is celebration season and you know i've said it uh, several times just in my life especially in the last couple weeks i could not find celebration for the life of me i just i couldn't do it and people online are like oh i love celebration this year so good it's so great i couldn't find it finally i got it celebration in a can and i will say like i i sort of like the bottle because it is i don't know man it's like an old at this point it's an old school method you know yeah, the, the yeah. bottles there and whatever but the can design for some reason is very very cool it's like this blood ox blood red you know it's a classic celebration. it's i don't know what it is it's the the maybe the font that they use that's super big on the can it looks cool the can looks 
old school, the way the bottle feels, if that makes any kind of sense to you. Yeah, they, the looks can great. looks like that you'd expect the can to look from the bottle, even though it's different. And they did a they did a real nice job of that. Yeah, I will say, sure. I don't like the fact that the the word um the the acronym IPA is the largest word on this can. It's People larger than celebration. It's larger than Sierra Nevada. It's larger than the logo, for God's sake. It's huge. And that's all people we, are going to see. We need to scream that it's an IPA. Which, and I get, you know, but whatever. Um, anyway, I wanted to really finish off this show drinking um, a celebration because it, it just, why not? You know, we're not going to commercial calibrate it or do whatever, but like just as a general cursory thing, I think it tastes really, really good this year. I'm used to celebration, like fresh celebration, being a little more assertive. And this isn't. This is. It feels like a little more smoother. And I don't know if you guys yeah. got that I- I- at all. Anyway, I haven't yeah, tasted I would, it. Yet. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And they they say, Sierra Nevada says, and I believe them that the recipe is the same every year, but because beer is made from agricultural ingredients, and agricultural ingredients vary every year, the the hops are going to have different alpha acids are going to have different essential oils are going to be a little different. The, the grain can be a little different. Um, and I've, there have been years when I just, I haven't liked celebration. Uh, there are few and far between. Yeah. But there okay. have been years where it's like, I, I don't know that I like this. Uh, and then there's years where it's more, uh, it's more uh, uh, aggressive. There's years like this is just a very uh, subtle, nice, easy drinking, just great beer. Yes, this year, Sully feels more drinkable early because, yeah. you know, it used to be a thing where you go, OK, you get you get a 12 pack of celebration. You have a couple you're like, oh, man, this is like super fresh beer. And then you sort of at least this is what I would do. Just let it hang out for a month. And let it sort of chill. But I don't you don't need to do that with this one. This is you just drink it right now. Absolutely. I, I think you're growing right like a horn out of your forehead, JP, because I don't understand what you're saying to me at all. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. I just I've, I've never done that to celebration. Now, anchor in years past. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that was so spiced that you had yeah. to you had to lay that down for like years sometimes to make it be drinkable. I guess I just always looked at the 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 balance for me, like celebration. Well, Okay, it's a red IPA essentially, right? I mean, you look if you're looking at the camera, if you're watching it, it's you know, yeah, maybe a lot darker orange, but I always consider it like a red style IPA. And those malts for me with hops balance out better longer, like um, Santa's Private Reserve from Rogue is sort of the same way. Um, although it's impossible to get fresh Rogue down here, which uh, greatly upsets me. Um, but that beer tastes a little bit better, a little bit older. I don't know. It's just, I think it's like the, the, those caramel malts in the IPA that mix with the hops tend to just jive better for me on my palate, you know, after, but because I've had celebration like six months out of the keg, six months down the road. And it's very good. It's different. It's a different animal, but it's still very, very good. Like there's a couple bars around that will just keep a, a keg for six months and then throw it on, you know, and like, I don't know. May, and it's a mm-hmm. cool treat. You go, oh, wow, it's really neat, man. It's, it it still tastes like celebration, but it's not the same. But it's sort of you know a higher alcohol amber ale. I don't know, man. There, yeah, they're selling. It. I'm not so, selling it, but <laughs> I would say there's a point where it becomes diminishing returns after mm-hmm. after which you're. It's not a beer. It's a fresh hop beer. It's a fresh hop IPA. IPAs in general, you don't necessarily want to age. Um, well, and this is know, already. T- wouldn't they brew it? uh august i think probably august, august september so, yeah so it's already it's already a, a couple months old but i don't know i was just sort of thrown by that when i drank it i was okay. like oh this feels mm-hmm. it feels like a semi-aged beer and i don't know what that i don't know what that is maybe it's my palate changing but it just feels smoother <clears throat> smoother on the or palate maybe it, is th- there could there be anything with the packaging that's creating a different impression i mean maybe the yeah i don't know the reduced oxygen you know, because we all know right. cans have a better O2, uh, you know, deal than. Um, mm-hmm. Right. There's going to be always some ingress through the cap, um, you know, crown caps included. Yeah. I know that that Sierra Nevada a long time ago changed from having screw top caps to the crown caps on their bottles. Then they stayed on the bottles for a long time. But craft has gone toward cans. And 
I would say for good reason, um, keeps, you know, helps with the, the dissolved, uh, oxygen a lot, you know, yeah, keeps it, it's keeps great. lower can protects the beer, um, better than a bottle. No light's going to get in. Um, no. yeah. So I think it's a good packaging decision. Oh, and I don't think they're just chasing a trend. It's just like, okay, it was time to put the stuff in a can and it looks good. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it's good. Yeah. I love um, this beer. It's like so, candy, yeah. orange peel a little bit almost too. I've done versions where I've, t- I've aged intentionally and, or I've just had some that I kept around for too long mm-hmm. and I have bottles from, from years ago where, I, and then I did a, uh, a multi-year tasting of, um, Sierra Nevada celebration. And it was just a bad idea. It wasn't good. Uh, like we usually do Bigfoot barley wine tastings. Invite me. And then yeah, I can't big, believe that it wasn't bad. Yeah. I can't believe uh, it. it wasn't great. Well, big, I'll do, big I'll a good one you. to do that with. And even the anchor Christmas beer. But even like the anchor Christmas beer starts getting bad after you get to like yes. X oh, number yeah. of years back. Well, we did a um, a vertical, a Bigfoot at, I think it was either, it was somewhere. It either, either was at the brewery or someone's house, somewhere, somewhere, right? The torpedo room, maybe? No, I didn't go. I've been there one time. Okay. But anyway, it was like, you know, the, the six-year-old Bigfoot was the best tasting Bigfoot. Yeah. After that, like Cooper saying, diminishing return to sort of getting the soy yep. saucy thing and whatever. And again, it's no slag off uh, on the beer at all because all beer just does that. Mm-hmm. But it's like it just six years was like that perfect balance to me of like malt and the hops still because you still want those sort of it's an American barley wine for God's yeah. sake. You still want a little bit of oomph there. Five five years is when it starts to get really good. I agree with that. Like five to seven years, you're in yeah. really good territory. That's where after you want eight to nine, ten to start, you're gonna see some diminishing. Yeah. And if you go wines. up if you go up to the brewery in Chico, they'll sell you, or they used to anyway, um, a, a variety pack age like a six yeah. a six yeah. different year different years. Yeah, it's they pretty still new. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The last I saw it, yeah. That's all right. Well, problem. that was it. I just wanted to talk. I just want to wax poetic about Sully for a second. That's all. Uh, uh, and Sully. It's a, it's a great beer. Man. Yeah, it's a fantastic beer. You guys got to find it for yourselves. Go yeah, go it. back and listen to episode 41 of Dr. Homebrew, where we did a commercial calibration of Celebration Ale. And, uh, you know, um, listen to what we said about it. And uh, <laughs> if you want to go more in-depth and get some cans versus the, yeah. you know, save some bottles from, from years past and taste those together and see what the what it's doing. But, yep. yeah. Go and, back in and time, you, and, and you know what? Well. And you know what, JP, you mentioned amber ale a little while ago. Yeah. I'm going to digress for a second. Uh, so on my honeymoon a couple of weeks ago up in Mendocino, we went That's to right. Fort Bragg. Congrats. We went to Fort yeah, Bragg. Man. Yeah, th- thanks, oh, man. Oh, we went to Fort Bragg for lunch one day because it's only like eight miles away, yeah. and we uh, we went to the uh, North Coast Brewing. Yeah, which I've kind of I love North Coast, and I kind of haven't had any of their beer for a while. So I had a sampler, and a lot of them were like just the old classics. Oh my God, that Red Seal Ale. Yeah, dude. Which Red Seal. I, that, that stuff was the shit back in the day and mm-hmm. like the 20 years ago. And it's still really awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that's a style that, like, man, uh, like Red IPA, Amber IPA, you, you can have malt and not have it be like sweet, cloying, caramel. Uh, I mean, it can be, you can have some malt that goes along with, balances out that hop bitterness, hop flavor. Yeah, it, it can it can be a good thing. It definitely can, yeah. and I and I think that some breweries, a lot of breweries, like maybe the growth of craft. It's I would love to talk about this one day, and it, nobody would ever really know the answer. But how the, <laughs> the 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 rapid expansion of the craft beer scene sort of ruined certain ingredients because you have like the stalwarts, right, like North Coast and Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. and all these people that were yeah. putting caramel in their IPA and you know caramel malt and doing this sort of like funky thing. But you have people who are like, man, I homebrewed four times. I'm going to open, you know, I don't know, Long Nuts Brewing Company in the, in the <laughs> uh, stop. And you better trademark that right now. Whatever, right? Yeah, I know. And it's like, and then so they, they did. I, I think that people didn't know how to make beers with certain ingredients. And I think the proliferation of that sort of ruined adding crystal malts and caramel malts to IPAs pulled it back. And that's how you get the West Coast IPA. But uh, I, I don't know that that transition of that transitional period of like is it was it a flavor thing or was it just people mm-hmm. didn't know how to use the ingredient and people got turned off by it mm-hmm. or you know what i mean was it an experimentation mm-hmm. or was it a reaction there's it's probably like, yeah you know, I, I think no we could probably have an entire show talking about that like you're saying but yeah like so many things right like simcoe 
when it first came out, like, oh my God, it's a cat, it's a litter box. This is this smells like cat piss. It's terrible. Uh, and then people found out, oh yeah, it's only if you pick it at the wrong time that yeah. it smells like like cat urine. Uh, right. Other other times it's fantastic. And, and yeah, I think a, like a lot of things, it's a lack of knowledge, right? And if you have the knowledge and the skill and the background to do stuff, you're not going to make the mistakes that are going to give you bad flavor. Uh, but if you're just kind of dicking around uh, with things, then yeah, you if you don't know what you don't know, uh, and then bad things can happen. Well, at the same time too, if you're like using just one ingredient and that's it's a one trick pony, or it's like I'm gonna make a beer that has just a ton of red X malt and like base malt, and that's it. And just like, <laughs> right, and like that's all you taste is that or the gnarly red X quality. Like, and you could probably blend it with some other things and have it have it play nicely, but it's just that's all you get and it's too much. But I'm gonna go back to one other thing real quick too, and just like uh, with aging the the celebration a little bit, I meant to chime in and say that with my um, arrogant bastard, like sometimes as it approaches the the drink by date with the arrogant bastard like at, at first it can be it's it's an arrogant beer it's and i love it but it's that that dank um resiny quality is really strong at first as you let it age a little bit that smooths out and it becomes a maltier thing with that that 7.3 percent alcohol a sweet alcohol with a little bit of the resiny quality it, it smooths out a little bit over time and to me maybe it's just a, 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 a you know like reminiscent thing for me like i when i drank it it was probably aged a little bit earlier uh, you know when i was first drinking them like i had it settled down a little bit because i had an older bottle and you get it fresh at the brewery and it's like wow that's intense and, and different but you know I, I do like to let it age a little bit and just kind of smooth out yeah absolutely but um, all right <clears throat> that's enough i think we've done enough radio for one night everybody if you want to be on this show and why wouldn't you be Let's be clear about that. Email Brian at the brewing network.com. He will get you on the show scheduled and everything. We get your beer sent over to us and we'll figure out how to get it to each other. And we will sit and talk about your beer and you can be on the show too. And it could be a good, lovely, beautiful thing. So that's Brian at the brewing network.com. We're looking for a few uh, celebrity brewers too, to help increase our popularity. You know, uh, that's right. there, there's got to be celebrity brewers out there. Let's have gonna, an episode with just celebrity brewers sometime. We're going to screen your uh, your entry. Uh, look at your <laughs> TikTok followers. If you don't have enough, then we're... Can't like, we're going to get Kanye. Kanye, if you're uh, listening, send in your beer. Well, you know, Will Wheaton, he's a, he's a home brewer, right? We've tried to get That's him good on. Point. He's, he ghost, he's ghosted us several times, so I'm not uh-huh. on the Will Wheaton fan uh, train anymore. I've he, met him at homebrew cons in the past. He's he's a nice dude. Yeah, I don't cool. know why he goes to... Like maybe it's your reputation, okay. JP. I don't know. You're the uh, well, this is one. years. This is years ago, so who knows? Okay. When, when it was first, mm. like, oh, he's super popular nerd homebrewer guy, and it's like, okay, that's fun. And we didn't hear back from him. It's like, oh, shut up, Wesley. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, oh. that's going to interfere with our ability to ever get him to come on the show. Sorry, it's so never going to happen anyway. So I don't really care. Uh, 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 All right, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in, and until uh, next time, we'll see you later.